Chapter 17 The stallion snorted for air as it galloped east across the hills. The beast's muscles pulsed, its long slender legs flexing and surging with each stride. Kenneth pulled the reins to his right, steering the animal to a shortcut through the flat terrain of the woodlands. The horse darted through the forest, cutting left and right as it weaved between the trees. At the edge of the woods, a dead pine tree lay fallen across the path. Hold on! Kenneth shouted. Arabella's grip tightened as the horse leapt over the dead log and burst into the open meadow. On the far side of the meadow, a single hill stood between Kenneth and his home. When the two reached the crest of the hill, Kenneth tugged the reins and stopped the horse. He couldn't help but shudder at what stood before his eyes. Orange flames snapped and popped as fire devoured the thatch-roofed house he called home. Everything was in flames, the house, the barn, the storehouse, they appeared like three giant torches, heaving their black smoke into the sky. Kenneth shook the reins and jabbed his heels into the sides of his horse. Arabella squeezed herself against him as the horse leapt forward and sprinted down the hill. The smoke thickened as they drew closer, and a pungent smell of burning wood, thatch, and barley filled the air. At the bottom of the hill, there was no sign of life except two crazed hens running wild and squawking in terror. The stallion neared the house and Kenneth pulled the reins and jumped to the ground. Mother, Aidan, Nessa, where are you? Aidan, where are you? He ran to the front of the house. A burning shutter fell and Kenneth jumped back as it toppled down in front of him. Kenneth waved his hands to clear the smoke from his face as he stared at his home. Every inch was engulfed in flames, only the front wall was still recognizable. Fighting the fire would be futile. Nothing was left to save. Kenneth moved forward and called out, Mother, Aidan, his foot hung on something mid-stride, and he suddenly found himself falling, then his body smacked the ground. Gazing back through the haze, he spied a prostrate figure. He crawled toward it and glimpsed the charred remains of a man. The grotesque stench of the burning flesh made his stomach convulse and a surge of warm vomit filled his mouth. He heaved and spat it out. No. He prayed. He stood and wiped the vomit from his lips. Then he grabbed the leg of the corpse. Tugging with both hands, he pulled the charred body from the smoke. A wave of relief came. The man's face was badly burned, but Kenneth was certain he'd never seen the man before. The blackened pants and the dark leather boots were not typical of Scots. Kenneth bent and studied the man, wondering who the hell he was and why he was there. Then the wind shifted to his backside and the swirling smoke lifted. There on the ground, ten feet from his home, were two more bodies lying dead. They were of similar dress, and though they were not burned like the first man, they were covered in blood. One had a cut running from his chest to his waist. The other had a large wet circle of red staining his shirt directly in the center of his belly. Kenneth stood over the men, surveying their corpses. He released a horrific roar, Iker. Then he kicked the body nearest him and shouted at the man, What do you want? Arabella ran to the front of the house. Seeing Kenneth standing over the dead men, she froze and felt as though she were trapped in a nightmare. Kenneth turned from the house and sprinted to the barn. He circled the burning building, not sure of what he was looking for. As he approached the backside of the barn, he noticed a wadded garment lying beside the well. Kenneth slowly stepped toward the garment, grabbed it, and held it chest high. He recognized it immediately, Nessa's shawl. Kenneth inspected the garment and found multiple splotches of blood, 
but no holes or cuts. He tried to envision what must have happened, wondering why the shawl was sitting there, yet not certain he wanted an answer. He prayed his sister wasn't hurt. As Kenneth lowered the shawl, his eyes fell to the well and a chill ran down his spine. He hesitated, wanting to turn and walk away, to run away, but he resisted the impulse and stepped forward. Slowly, he peered over the wall of the well and down into its dark, eerie shaft. There, he found only a black placid pool of still water. He exhaled and pushed away. Then he dropped the shawl and let it fall to the ground at his feet. His family had to be somewhere. He glanced at the burning barn and then scanned the field. From the corner of his eye, he noticed something in the grass twenty feet from where he stood. He hustled toward the object and stopped in his tracks, surprised at what he found, Aiden's sword. He picked up the weapon. Its blade was dirty and dripped red, as if the sword had been bathed in blood. Kenneth seethed in anger. He breathed hard, in and out, trying to think. Aiden and Nessa must have been outside when the fight began. But where are they now? Mother, where was she when the men struck? Would she have been in the house when the fire was set? He tried to dismiss the awful thought. His mind twisted with images of others, his father, and Chorich, and the men. Had they seen the smoke? Could they even see it from where they were? Arabella rushed to Kenneth as he stood in his stupor holding Aidan's sword. Kenneth, I've found no one. Do you know where they are, did they go somewhere? No, they were here when I left. I've seen no sign of my mother, Aidan and Nessa must have struggled with these men. I don't know if they escaped, or were taken, or worse. I have to find them. Who were the men on the ground? I don't know. They don't appear to be Picts. No paint. I can only guess they're Vikings. Oh, God, what's happening? I don't know, Arabella. I don't know what's happening. Kenneth cursed in rage and drove his brother's sword into the ground. He stared at his hands, they were covered in blood. He wiped his palms on his sleeves, pleading with his conscience that the blood was not Aidan's. Kenneth turned toward Renton. Smoke continued to fill the sky above the village. Then he jerked his head and peered across the field at the small home tucked behind a grove of cedar trees. It was the home Chorich had built for him and Siana. No smoke, a promising sign. Kenneth grabbed Arabella's hand, I'm taking the horse and going to Renton. My guess is Aidan went there to help. Go to Siana's and check on her, I'll return when. I'm not leaving you, Kenneth, Arabella protested. You have to check on Siana, and I have to see if Aidan needs me. Renton is burning. I don't have time. Kenneth, I'm going with you. He shook his head in frustration. Then we must leave now. He mounted his horse and pulled Arabella up behind him. As they departed, he steered the animal in the direction of Aidan's sword. Nearing the weapon, he reached low and grabbed it by the handle without breaking stride. We may need this. Kenneth spurred the horse north toward Renton. His heart thumped in his chest as guilt and anger tore at his insides. I have a bad feeling if Aidan left his sword, he muttered to himself. When we get to Renton, I don't know what we'll find, Kenneth said, not turning his eyes from the path they rode. I want you to stay on the horse until I know the others are all right. He turned in his saddle to check on Arabella and saw tears streaming down her cheeks. 
She nodded and tightened her arms around his waist as the horse galloped forward. The small town came into sight, the image was surreal. Tall tongues of fire ascended upward like an overstoked furnace. Several of Renton's buildings were ablaze and quickly fading, while others had already submitted to the inferno and now stood like charred wooden tombs. The meeting hall, the tavern, and the blacksmith shop choked out chimneys of thick black smoke from their windows and doorways. The thirsty flames lapped up the thatch roofs, leaving the air rife with a thick odor of burning wood. As they drew closer, Kenneth's eyes caught the movement of figures ambling in disarray through the smoky street ahead. Kenneth snapped his reins and urged his horse toward the pitiful, blazing village. They entered Renton from the south. Buildings lay crumbled on either side of the path as fire sucked the life from their wooden forms. Renton was a nightmarish chaos. Several older women stood weeping as if entranced in some terror-induced spell. Others were running about, tending the wounded and sobbing over the dead. An older man, Renton's tanner, sat on the side of the path holding one arm and rocking back and forth. He looked up at Kenneth in a listless daze, wearing a long smudge of soot smeared across his forehead and a once white beard now black and red. The lifeless bodies lying among the rubble numbered young and old. They were the people of Renton, Kenneth's people. The struggle was fresh and raw. Within a single day, Kenneth had left a town of life, and had returned to an aftermath of death. The battle had found Renton, the enemy had found Renton. Kenneth leapt from his horse and drew the sword that Aidan had lost. Arabella, don't get off, he demanded, this time unwilling to take no for an answer. Gripping the sword, tightly in both hands, he stepped forward, swiveling his head and straining to see through the smoke, uncertain of whom he'd find. His movements were deliberate and cautious as he advanced in front of the steed carrying Arabella. Upon reaching the body of a fallen Scot, Kenneth paused and then stepped over it, but not before glancing down at the figure and grimacing at the carnage. He swallowed and pushed ahead. He had to move forward, he had to be ready to fight. He had trained for this a thousand times with his father and brothers, and he remembered his father's words, if you ever pick up a sword to fight, be prepared to use it, prepared not just to swing, but to kill. Kenneth moved through the village, advancing toward the blacksmith shop as it popped with fire. His sword stirred in his hands. Suddenly, a figure moved ahead, stumbling into the street near a fallen stack of wooden barrels. The man lifted his head and stared at Kenneth with a bewildered expression on his face. Ferragus, Kenneth uttered and he ran to the blacksmith. What happened here? Ferragus, what happened? The blacksmith sat in shock and said nothing. Kenneth lowered his sword and shook the blacksmith, Ferragus. Ferragus snapped from his fog. Kenneth, my God, they were everywhere, all at once, he said, his voice faint and dry. His eyes wobbled, and his head bobbed back and forth as if the muscles in his neck had been severed. Then his eyes blinked rapidly and closed. Ferragus, Kenneth shouted. Ferragus moaned. Kenneth called to Arabella, he needs help. Arabella sat on the horse, staring back at Kenneth, lost in a trance. Cacophony reigned, fires crackled, women shouted. Panic seized Arabella. What's happening? She instantly broke from her trance, pointed, and screamed, Kenneth. Kenneth turned to see a large man emerging from the supply house, one of the few buildings still standing. The man carried an overstuffed sack on his shoulder and was moving awkwardly, limping toward a horse not far away. 
The man's clothes were similar to those of the men lying dead at Kenneth's home, but this man also boosted a heavy metal helmet that extended over the top half of his face, leaving only his mouth and beard exposed. Formed into the metal lid were two thin slits for the eyes, while a pair of sharpened horns protruded from the top of the helmet. Trampling through the smoke and flames, the man appeared as the devil himself, stalking the burning streets of Renton. When the invader heard Arabella scream, he lifted his head and surveyed the street. His movement stopped when he spotted Kenneth. Instantly, the man hurled his load to the ground and drew a long black sword from a sheath tied to his back. Then he released a deep, guttural cry and rushed toward Kenneth, his limp evidently cured by a quick dose of adrenaline. Kenneth tensed, drew a deep breath, and shifted his weight. For a moment Kenneth paused, then his fingers tightened around his sword and he leapt forward to meet the man. The Viking closed the gap in a blink and swung his black blade upward before slicing it down swiftly upon Kenneth. Clank! Metal struck metal, and the clashing swords resonated in a cold, steely echo. The vibration of the colliding blades stung Kenneth's hands. Kenneth twisted his wrist to avoid the blow and pushed hard, forcing the man's sword to the side. Then Kenneth leaned and shifted left to regain his footing. The Viking didn't hesitate. He recoiled, spun, and swung his sword a second time, reaching to strike Kenneth's midsection. Kenneth jumped and dodged the blade. The man repeated his onslaught, swinging his weapon back and forth, hungry for flesh. Kenneth retreated backwards with each attacking swing until his backside struck the wooden post of a shop awning. He was pinned, wedged between the post and his enemy. There, the man lingered a moment and reassessed his prey. He peered through the slits of his helmet, moving his head ever so slightly from side to side. Then he stared straight at Kenneth. Kenneth could feel his heart race as he caught the man's gaze through the thin slits, two round orbs, glowing like the eyes of a wolf on a dark summer night. The man swung his sword. The sharp edge came fast toward Kenneth's neck. Kenneth ducked and the blade sunk deep into the soft pine post. The bitter wood held tight, gripping the angry steel. Kenneth sprung upward. He lifted his foot and shoved it into the man's kneecap. The joint snapped and buckled. The man dropped to one knee, and his broken leg folded lame to one side. As the man lifted his head, Kenneth struck his bearded chin with the butt of his sword. The Viking's jaw cracked, and his head snapped back. The man groaned and struggled to right himself. It was then that Kenneth buried his blade into the man's chest. The Viking shuddered, and tumbled backwards to the ground. Kenneth removed his sword and stepped forward, looming over his adversary. He stared down at the man, at his fallen body, at his cruel metal helmet. Blood slowly pooled on the man's lips, and then a stream trickled from the side of his mouth down into the thick hair covering his cheek. Kenneth nudged the Viking with his foot. The man's lifeless body gave no response. He was dead. Kenneth had never killed a man before. His father had told him that such a day would likely come. That day had arrived, but it wasn't as glorious as Kenneth had once thought. Rage had been his fire. Defense had been his cause. God forgive me, the words echoed in Kenneth's mind. No. Stop. The shrilling screams rattled Kenneth's ears. He spun. It was Arabella. Two Vikings had found her and were circling her horse like a pair of crazed hounds. One was grabbing her leg and trying to dislodge her from her horse. The man was short and stocky, built like a stump with tree-limb arms. 
The second man, taller than the first and brandishing a crossbow, left his partner and fronted the horse and grabbed its reins. As he wrapped the straps around his hand, Arabella kicked the animal and the beast thrashed wildly. The tall Viking threw his crossbow to the ground and grasped the reins with both hands while his partner moved to close on Arabella. Kenneth stood motionless, staring at the invaders. The call to defend, the call to protect, was now upon him. The fight had come. Blood and death had come. There was no other choice. Kenneth settled in his heart that he would fight. It would end in life or in death, but he had to fight, and on this day, he would give all he had to give. Kenneth tightened his grip on his sword and took a step forward. An angry scream erupted from his throat, Ah! His slow steps suddenly turned into a madman's rush, and he stormed forward with reckless abandon. The shorter man pivoted and squared himself. Kenneth lifted his sword aloft and swirled it down and around, making his cut from the side rather than striking the enemy's helmeted head from above. The Viking lunged to evade the blow. Kenneth twisted, cutting nothing but air. He righted himself and faced his opponent, taking a moment to resize the man. A raspy metal sound shrieked through the air as the Viking drew a long, wide dagger with sharp jagged teeth lining its back edge. The tool was capable of tearing flesh and grinding bone. The man flicked the weapon back and forth in his hand, taunting Kenneth. Kenneth broke and swung his sword, and the Viking lifted his dagger against Kenneth's oncoming blade. Kenneth delivered a bruising blow, yet the Viking blocked the blade and held firm. Again, Kenneth swung and rammed his sword against the Viking's dagger, this time knocking the weapon from the man's hands. Empty-handed, the man leapt at Kenneth. He planted his shoulder into Kenneth's waist and drove him backward. The two stumbled several steps before tangling their legs and falling. Kenneth's sword flung from his grip as he hit the ground. Then his lungs emptied when the Viking landed on top of him. The blow was devastating. The man's helmet had thumped against Kenneth's brow when the two collided to the earth, leaving a deep splinter of pain shooting through Kenneth's skull and a one-inch gash above his left eyebrow. Kenneth shook his head to subdue the pain, but the melee resumed. The two wrestled back and forth before Kenneth found his bearings and spun the Viking. Then Kenneth positioned himself on the man's backside and he wrapped his arm around the man's neck and tightened on his throat. It felt to Kenneth as if he were squeezing the trunk of a willow tree. Kenneth drew his grip tighter and pressed his fingers deeper into the man's neck while pedaling with his legs to right himself and lift from the ground. Once upright and sitting on the man, Kenneth released his chokehold, spun the stocky man beneath him, and threw three swift punches to the man's face. His last punch struck the man square in the nose, and a sickly, wet popping sound confirmed the Viking's bludgeoned nose was broken. Suddenly, from nowhere, Kenneth's legs were being pulled. The second Viking was dragging him, stopping Kenneth before he could finish his kill. Kenneth bucked and kicked to free himself. The stocky Viking remained sprawled on the ground, coughing and gasping for breath, with blood spewing from the two holes that were once the base of his nostrils. The wounded Viking wheezed a few deep breaths and lightly touched his swelling nose to assess the break. After the tall Viking had dragged Kenneth a dozen paces, the man lifted Kenneth's legs into the air and pushed him sideways, spinning Kenneth on the ground. Immediately, the man began kicking Kenneth, targeting his ribs. Kenneth rolled with each kick, struggling to avoid the blows. After several kicks, Kenneth grabbed the Viking's foot and twisted it sharply, attempting to break the man's ankle. The man yelped in pain, and he lost his balance and stumbled sideways, ankle intact. 
Kenneth jumped to his feet. The tall Viking spun to face him and Kenneth landed an uppercut to the man's jaw. He followed with two more jabs to the abdomen. The man doubled over and held his belly, laboring to recover. Kenneth glanced about, hunting for his sword. He spotted the stocky Viking's dagger lying in the path, and dashed toward the weapon. When Kenneth reached the dagger, he scooped it up and clutched its thick rugged handle in his palm. Instantly, the tall man appeared from behind and wrapped his arms around Kenneth's torso. The man's muscular limbs steadily tightened like a noose, binding Kenneth and crushing him as though he were wedged in a vice. Kenneth, struggling to breathe, realized he had to break free, quickly break free. Or else it would be over. But it couldn't be over. Not here. Not now. A fury surfaced from deep within. Enraged with determination, Kenneth dipped his chin to his chest and thrust his head backward violently with every shred of force he could muster. The impact nearly cracked both their skulls. When his head connected with the Viking's chin, he heard the sound of the man's teeth shatter. Lights flashed in bright explosions before Kenneth's eyes. He convulsed in pain. The big man released his hold and his hands flailed upward to his ruined mouth. Kenneth gripped his newfound dagger with both palms and thrust the large blade backward, catching the oversized Viking in the midsection. Lowering his wrist, Kenneth gave the blade a second shove and plunged it farther into the cavity of the man's chest. Finished, he yanked the handle and ripped the steel from the Viking's body. The man stooped over and fell to the ground, the fog of death misting in his eyes. Kenneth stumbled away, dizzy, his head throbbing in pain. He touched his scalp and felt a sharp edge on the back of his skull where he had struck the Viking. He dug with his fingers and removed a small object and held it in his palm. He then realized he was holding the broken tooth of the tall man. A commotion stirred behind Kenneth, the rustling of a horse. Still in a daze, Kenneth could hardly perceive his surroundings. He turned and peered toward the north path out of Renton. Ferragus was standing hunched in the middle of the path with buildings burning on either side of him, and he was waving a piece of wood with a large red flame. And then Kenneth saw the horse, and its two riders. Arabella, her name crept from his lips. The stocky Viking riding the horse cursed the blacksmith, as he slowed the animal. He tightened his grip around his female captive and combed the area for another route of escape. As the Viking rider formed a new plan, the frightened horse below pranced in anxiety, troubled by the crazed blacksmith, and his oscillating torch. The Viking yelled and slapped the spooked animal. Then the man pulled Arabella against his chest and yanked the reins and turned the horse east. Kenneth watched as the horse moved forward. Horror seized him, the Viking was leaving Renton with the woman he loved. Boom! Kenneth leapt forward as a building crashed down behind him. Embers from the fallen structure brushed his backside. The blacksmith shop had given way to the fire's hot flames, spewing cinders and ash high into the air as the building crumpled. Within moments, the toppled building settled and lay dead, and a black billow of smoke emerged, to broadcast its demise. Kenneth regained his wits and looked up to find the fleeing horse. Yet now, the animal was heading straight for him. The Viking's intent was singular, he would trample Kenneth, and end the fight. No time remained. Kenneth jumped to the side to evade the massive beast. He landed on his side with a thud and yelped when he hit the ground, nearly impaling himself on a pointed object that jabbed his backside. The Viking never looked back after missing his prey, but kept the horse moving headlong on the path out of Renton. Kenneth reached behind him and grasped the rigid object he had landed on, 
the tall Viking's crossbow. He gripped the handle and lifted the weapon. Pulling back the draw, he found his enemy's backside in the crossbow's sights. He pressed the trigger and the arrow flew. The slender shaft soared toward its mark and lodged into the stocky Viking's spine. The man froze, slumped, and slowly slid off the horse into a motionless heap on the path, leaving Arabella on the beast, upright and now alone. Kenneth lowered the bow and took a deep breath. Then he lifted to his feet and rubbed a mixture of grime and blood from the side of his face. In the distance, Arabella slowed the horse and turned the animal. Exhausted, Kenneth stood at the edge of Renton staring at Arabella as the horse approached. Then he peered over his shoulder at the town of his youth, its burning structures slowly relinquishing their last gasps of life. The soulless bodies of those he had called friends lay strewn across the dirty streets. He glimpsed his brother's bloody sword lying in the middle of the path, the path that crossed through the broken heart of Renton. Kenneth turned back to Arabella, his head and heart wrestling over the woman he loved. The crash of another burning building echoed behind him. Arabella's horse paused. Kenneth gazed at Arabella in a stupor. He stood motionless as though he were a statue covered in flesh. She was close enough that he could see her crying, yet far enough that she was safe. He shook his head slowly, telling her no, he would not let the woman he treasured come any closer. Go, you must go. Tell your father of the slaughter of Renton. Kenneth, if I go, then come with me. No Arabella, I cannot, I must find Aidan and the others, he called back to her. Kenneth, I will stay with you. We can wait for your father and the others to return. Her horse danced below her as she spoke, terrified by the inferno raging in the distance. Arabella, you can't stay, you must go. You must go now? Kenneth pulled a piece of burning wood from the nearby rubble. He held it low in his hand. His brow furrowed in sorrow. His jaw tightened in anguish. I love you, Arabella. My heart will always be yours. I will fight until the Lord carries me home to you. Kenneth drew back his arm and hurled the burning wood at the horse, yelling at the beast, Yah. The horse turned and jerked to separate himself from the miserable man. Yet Arabella's eyes held to Kenneth, not allowing him to leave her sight. Kenneth shouted again, Go. Go to Cashel and wait for me, I will come for you. Then he turned and ran into Renton's flames. Arabella watched as Kenneth's silhouette disappeared into the dark grey smoke, Kenneth. The sun that had radiated so richly upon her and her betrothed at last dusk now stood high overhead, crowning the destruction of Renton. Yet with all its brilliance, it could not break through the smoky haze that hid the man she loved.